This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, now, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not a sugary snack, not an energy drink. We want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. That way it's tender and tasty, not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. What I'm saying is they take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper with your beef. You know, I wonder, Bill, if he uh, came back from one of those Pro Bowls and had that list of 50, and on that list of 50, he said, get rid of the bleeping kicker. (laughs) No, he didn't say that, but he called me and said, what the heck is going on? I said, just take it easy, I'll handle it. So we did get it handled, but that was a kerfuffle that none of us expected. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to the Jim Rohn Podcast, and welcome to episode 203, the final episode of 2021. And we are closing out the year strong, chopping it up with another guy who has a bust in Canton, a six-time NFL executive of the year and a Super Bowl champ with the Colts. This week, my guest is the legendary Bill Polian. Now, I don't use that word legend lightly either. But he had an absurdly successful career spanning four different decades in the NFL. He brought the Bills back. He brought the Bills from back-to-back 2-14 and seasons to the Super Bowl over and over and over and over again. He was the first-ever GM of the expansion Carolina Panthers, and he led them to the NFC Championship in just two seasons. And, of course, he is best known for drafting Peyton Manning, hiring Tony Dungy, and snagging a Super Bowl in Indy. Simply put, he is an encyclopedia of football knowledge and history, and yes, he is a legend. So let's get right at it. It's episode 203 with Pro Football Hall of Famer Bill Polian, and it starts right now. Bill, it's been a moment or two since you and I got together, so it's great to have you on the program. First things first, how are you and yours? Well, I'm fine, thank you. I had a little... uh out of uh, uh, bad luck with some illness uh, recently, but uh, got past it and looking forward to the holidays and, and the family's all great. Thank you. All right. So, so glad to hear that. So you sat down with a number of Hall of Famers for your new book, Super Bowl Blueprints. Hall of Famers reveal the keys to football's greatest dynasties. I'm sure that every last one of them was fascinating to spend time with. Can you give me an individual or two off the top that you found to be the most compelling? Oh, yeah. Everybody really was. We we uh, we budgeted Vic Carucci and I budgeted 
an hour for each of the interviews. And we didn't have one that went less than 90 minutes. So they, they were really in, incredible. Uh, as you might imagine, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson were amazing, uh, both in their candor, in the emotion that they brought to their uh, reminiscences, and, uh, and, and some of the uh, very frank discussion uh, that they had. We interviewed them individually, not collectively, but uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. Uh, on the other hand, uh, in terms of just pure um, feel-good, what-a-story type thing, Doug Williams talking about playing, deciding to play for Joe Gibbs in Washington as a backup, which he did not want to do um, because Joe Gibbs had stuck up for him when he was a rookie uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Joe Gibbs was a position coach. Joe had worked him out and sort of mentored him, but his position coach jumped all over him and hollered at him in practice one day. And, uh, and so Joe went over to their coach and said, don't do that. Don't ever holler at Doug Williams again. And, and, and Doug never forgot that. And then, of course, Doug got an opportunity to start and, uh, and, and ended up being the first African-American quarterback to start in the Super Bowl. And he tells the story of uh, actually being unable to eat because he had a terrible toothache, had to go to the dentist on the day of the game. And then, of course, the ride to the stadium, the game itself, and, and a, a storybook fairy tale Hollywood ending to it, uh, which, which I, <laughs> I won't share because I don't want to ruin it for potential readers. But it was uh, darn near uh, brought you to tears to hear Doug tell the story. Hmm. These are all really compelling figures. I'm curious, but when you mentioned Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson, you know, without giving it all away, if you were to ask or maybe came up in the conversation – what does Jerry regret most about the way he handled that situation? And did Jimmy have any regrets? Oh, yeah, they both did. Uh, we titled the, the, the chapter, the, the Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson, Dallas Cowboys, What Might Have Been. And uh, my, my role in the book was to really be sort of like the, uh, uh, the stage manager in the, in, the, in the play Our Town, uh, just to set the stage and and, and help ask some of the questions. And, and, and they both said, we wish it had ended differently. And, and they talked about the emotion that they felt at the time and the emotion they felt now. Uh, it's very compelling. You know, Bill, you also worked with, I thought, one of the most unusual, and I mean this in the best way possible, coaches Marvin Levy. I always thought that he was an outlier. He used to come on my radio program, and I used to love talking to him. He was just such a different individual. In fact, I'm not sure, Bill, that I've ever encountered an NFL coach quite like Marv. How much did he mean to you personally and professionally? He means everything to me personally and professionally. There would be no professional career for me without Marv Levy. I was an unknown small college coach who uh, went to work as a, uh, as a part-time scout because my college coach had been, was the personnel director for Marv in Montreal. And at the end of our first season, Marv called me uh, up to the office and said, first and foremost, I've been reading your reports. And I thought, wow, the head coach is reading my reports. This is really different. And, and then he said, you know, there's a I'd like to find a place for you in this organization. You, you, you've got a lot going for you and you can help us win. 
And so uh, that that started my career. He brought me to Kansas City with a, with him as an advanced scout and a pro scout. Um, he helped me secure jobs later on in my career. I joined him uh, again with the Chicago Blitz in the USFL, which actually led to my being hired as a as as a, as the pro personnel director in Buffalo. And and when the opportunity came to hire him in Buffalo, even though he'd been out of coaching for a, a couple of years. Um, I recommended him so highly to Mr. Wilson that uh, that he went ahead and made the hire after talking with Lamar Hunt. And Mr. Hunt told Mr. Wilson the biggest mistake he made in, in his entire pro football career was letting Marv Levy go. Well, Mr. Wilson didn't make that mistake. He hired him. And of course, the rest, as they say, is history. But I would have had no career and certainly, certainly none of the honors and including the Hall of Fame and all the the other wonderful things that have happened to me in my career without Marv Levy. Mm, That's professionally. Personally, I have so much admiration for him. He remains to this day my North Star, uh, the person that that I most want to emulate. I've said frequently, and I'll repeat it, um, I often try to emulate him. I often fail, too. But I never failed to continue to try to do it because I hold him in such high regard. Um, and, and, and everybody that's worked for him, with him, played for him, feels the same way. He's, uh, he's one of a kind. It's an amazing thing you just said. And he is such a gentleman, Marv Levy. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productivity that you'll have at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I absolutely love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I've ever used. And honestly, it's got to be the coolest looking piece of furniture I own, hands down. Not only is X-Chair the world's best office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either warm or cool your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. Right now, that's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. Of course, Bill, you were the architect of those great Bills teams that went on to four Super Bowls. I have always maintained it takes a hell of a football team to lose four Super Bowls. I mean this, and I'm not being (laughs) flip. I mean that when I say that. It takes a hell of a team and an organization to lose four Super Bowls. I'm quite serious about that. How do you personally view that period, Bill? For instance, does it eat at you that you didn't cash one in, or are you proud of what those teams accomplished exclusively? It's actually a little of both, Jim, and it's, time, it's a wonderful question. As time goes by, the, 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 the gnawing at you that, that you didn't get one of them, and there were actually two that were there for the taking, uh, 25 and, and, and the last one, 28, um, you know, hurt greatly for a long while. But as time has gone by, 
and history, of course, uh, is the ultimate arbiter. People have sort of talked to us and looked at us and outside Buffalo and said, you know, that was an incredible, that was an incredible run. It may never be duplicated again. So uh, there's a lot of pride in having done it four times. Uh, you wish that you could have succeeded, but I've learned over time. I've had teams in, in, I think, six or seven Super Bowls. I can't remember which. But the, 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 the bottom line is that I think it's six. Excuse me. The bottom line is that it's one game. Anything can happen. And getting there is an incredible, incredible achievement. And it's something to be celebrated. So I think we all, as a group, sort of feel that way now. It was a great experience. It was a great achievement. We're proud of it. And, uh, and and we were very lucky to have the opportunity. I really agree with you, Bill, and an amazing collection of individuals, too, that composed that group or groups. You know, to your point that it may never be duplicated again. Again, your book is called Super Bowl Blueprints, Hall of Famers Reveal the Keys to Football's Greatest Dynasties. I'm curious, like, where do you come out on this, Bill? The parody in the league right now is unparalleled. It really is something to see. Do you like it like that, or is the league better with those dynastic teams and organizations? Well, first and foremost, I think expansion from 28 to 32 teams is what has has made the league so compelling and and yet so helter-skelter. It is really hard to to repeat uh, once, much less, uh, you know, four times, uh, because the additional 250 so or so players who were there when there were 28 teams are now spread among all 32. So depth is non-existent. And uh, uh, fortunately, the players that, that we have play hard. So even uh, last night, as an example, where you saw Cleveland decimated, missing, I think, 12 starters, um, the game came down to the last play because everybody really plays hard. And the competition is good, but it's hard for one team to stand out over time, the combination of free agency, which came along in 1993, and expansion has made it so difficult to remain good for a long period of time. Now, of course, Bill, you had one of the great competitors and one of the all-time tough guys in Jim Kelly in Buffalo, one of my favorites, and then you famously worked with Peyton Manning as well. It, Bill, is it true? Did Peyton tell you before the draft Quote, if you draft me, I promise we'll win a championship. And if you don't, I promise I'll come back and kick your ass. Is that is that that's, folklore or is that a true story? No, that's a true story. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, he came into our facility about 10 days before the draft in order to get his knee checked out. He had a nagging knee injury that we just wanted to be sure of. And he came into my office and 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 he said, you know, I, they've asked me to go to New York, and I'm I don't want to go unless I'm not going unless I'm going to be the first pick. And I wonder if you've made up your mind. And I said, well, no, I'm a procrastinator. I haven't fully made it up yet, so I can't tell you today what we're going to do. So he was, he was a little nonplussed. And, and I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, if you promise me that you won't reveal it. Um, I'll let you know Thursday. The draft was on Saturday at that time. I'll let you know Thursday what the decision is so you can make your decision to go to New York accordingly. And he said, okay, that, that's fine. And, and he got up to leave and stopped in the, in the doorway and turned and made that statement. Very true.
So, of course, Bill, right now, looking back, it's the biggest no-brainer ever. But at that time, can you kind of take me through the process and organizationally what the thought was? Was there a heated debate? What were conversations like when you were trying to determine whether or not to go Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf? It, Jim, it was really a slow evolution. When I got to Indianapolis in January of, of 1998, um, I, I queried the entire scouting staff. They were split right down the middle, 50% Peyton, 50% Ryan Lee. So I said, okay, tell you what, we'll go back and, and we'll look at every every throw that each of these guys made in their careers in addition to going through the normal draft process. And uh, I went to our video person and I said, I'd like a, a film of, of, of every uh, video of every pass that Peyton's thrown and every pass that Ryan Lee's thrown. And he, he looked at me as though I had three heads. He said, we, we don't do that. I said, well, we are now. So you better figure out how to do it. So we got the tape, circulated it among the coaches and scouts. I looked at each of them, each of them on that particular tape four times. Um, over the course of the time, up to and including the workouts, which happened back to back in March, uh, we were generally uh, trending toward Peyton. After the workouts and the individual meetings with each man, we didn't have, we met with Peyton at the combine. Ryan blew us off, so he missed it. So we, we, we didn't meet with him until March. Uh, after those interviews, uh, when we got on a plane to go back home to Indianapolis, I turned to our group, including Coach Mora, and said, it seems to me after everything we've seen that um, – if we don't draft Peyton, we're going against everything we believe in as individuals and an organization. And everyone on the plane, Tom Moore and Bruce Aarons, uh, who was then our quarterback coach, just nodded their heads. And so the decision was essentially made then after we'd seen the workouts. Peyton had by far the better workout and, 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 and by a factor of 100, the better interview. Ryan was certainly not prepared to come into the National Football League psychologically and emotionally at that point in time. Unfortunately, that's kind of the way it worked out, but I'm glad he ultimately was able to straighten his life out. But the bottom line is that Peyton was much, much more prepared. And after that, it became a relatively easy decision, but it certainly wasn't at the start. Proud to say this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, Another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of that ugly clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. 
Bill, you know, it's funny because I work on the NFL today on CBS, which means I get to sit around and kind of kick it around with Phil Simms and Boomer Esaias and two great former quarterbacks. And these guys tell amazing stories. I love just to listen and be a fly on the wall to some of the things they share and some of the experiences they had. We started talking about Peyton Manning the other day. I'm curious about this. Like, on the one hand, it would seem that Peyton Manning, because he is so brilliant and so obsessed with preparation, it would seem like he might be a pretty easy guy to coach if you were the head coach or the coordinator or the quarterback's coach. Is that the case, Bill? Or maybe is he more challenging to work with because he is so demanding of himself and everybody around him? Uh, It's the latter, actually. Uh, But interestingly enough, Phil, for for our book, Super Bowl Blueprints, said to me, it really shocked me when he said it. He said, you know, Peyton Manning changed the way everyone plays quarterback from the peewee level all the way to the NFL. And I thought, wow, that's an incredible statement. And I said, how do you mean, Phil? He said, before Peyton came along, we were all programmed at the NFL level to have certain audibles, but to, to have to go with no huddle, step up, look at the defense pre-snap, get into the right call based on what you see in the pre-snap, and then execute post-snap had never been done before. Peyton did it, and now everyone copies it, and uh, to some degree or another, at virtually every level of football. Uh, You know, a a very amazing statement by a very analytical guy. Phil is really, uh, I've always enjoyed, as I'm sure you do, talking to football with him. Uh, Couldn't get enough of it. He's a terrific football guy. But that statement really floored me, and, and, and yet it's true. Now, Peyton, on the other hand, was so obsessed with preparation that he would be working night, noon, and morning uh, in terms of do we have the right cut-ups. The backup quarterback was really his graduate assistant. And so the backup quarterback would have to go back sometimes three, four years and look at a defensive coordinator when, when, when uh, Rex Ryan, for example, was in New York. Uh, Peyton would go and say, well, what did he do in Baltimore against us four or five years ago when we played? Let's make sure we've got every blitz that's ever been used against us by him on film. And then he would take it to Jim Caldwell, the quarterback coach, and Tom Moore and Howard Rudd, the offensive coordinator, and say, hey, I found this blitz from four years ago that Rex Ryan used. Are we, are we sure we can block it up? How are we going to protect this? That was a that was a, a constant uh, theme that went on each and every week because he left no stone unturned in terms of trying to be prepared, and so in in, in that sense it was unique. Uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, especially when the weather was good, most of the coaches at finishing up around two o'clock would go out and play nine holes of golf. Not Jim Caldwell; he'd be sitting there with Peyton. Going after going over the uh, uh, the ready list to make sure that they were both on the same page in terms of what Peyton liked and didn't like, and Peyton oftentimes would say, "Well, you know, I'd like to I'd like to work on this particular new play tomorrow or this new wrinkle tomorrow in practice on Saturday." That's unheard of. Oftentimes, Jim would say, "No, no, we, we we've got that covered in another way." But they'd spend two or three hours together on Friday, just going over the ready list. That too was unique. So if you're going to work with Peyton Manning, including the general manager, 
you, you, you better be on your, on your toes. You better make sure that the details were covered. Peyton would go to the Pro Bowl every year. I don't know how many he went to. It seemed like he went every year. Um, and he would come back and meet with me in, in mid-February, and he would have a list of anywhere from 25 to 50 things that he picked up at the Pro Bowl in terms of preparation, organization, things like that, team travel, meals, et cetera, that he wanted me to take a look at and consider implementing for us. So, that, I mean, that's just the way he works. And uh, if you're going to be with him and, and, and work with him, um, you better adapt to uh, the, the same point of view. Fortunately, everybody in our organization felt that way, but people would come in from the outside and say, wow, boy, is this different? Well, it is because it's Peyton Manning. That is astounding. You know, I wonder, Bill, if he uh, came back from one of those Pro Bowls and had that list of 50, and on that list of 50, he said, get rid of the bleeping kicker. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but he called me. <laughs> he was actually at the Pro Bowl, I think, when it occurred. And he called me and said, what the heck is going on? I said, just take it easy. I'll handle it. So we, we did get it handled, but that was a kerfuffle. That, that none of us expected. So you're hanging out with a few friends, putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You figure, I got this. I can make it home okay. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway, right? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think that's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead and get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. It's honestly, in my entire career, at least in tracking and listening to Peyton Manning and interviewing him a few times, it just was the most incredible thing for him to utter that publicly on camera, it, it was astonishing and so out of character and such an amazing thing. So I'm glad that you got a kick out of that, and that's something you can laugh at now. That, that really was something. You know, when you talk about uh, Peyton Manning the way you are and the kind of culture that he brings to it and the work ethic and the grind and the obsession, I would imagine Tom Brady is, is very similar in that regard, obviously. Like, I haven't spent time around him and watched him work, but he famously was drafted in the sixth round. Not that you needed a quarterback then, but I'm really curious, how did you have him graded prior to that draft. Where did you think, based on his skill set, he should go? What round? We were not in the quarterback business, uh, as you correctly point out. But we had seen uh, both Dom and Ely, our, our God rest his soul, our great personnel director, and myself, had seen Tom uh, three times, I think, during the regular season and into the bowl game. And we actually both were at Notre Dame the day he got benched. It, by by Lloyd Carr, he had a poor game, got benched. They had I can't think of the player's name right now, but a, a, a freshman phenom 
who was who was coming in and he actually finished the game and, and Tom didn't play for a period of time. And then the young man that replaced him sort of didn't progress as fast as he wanted. And Tom went back into the starting lineup and, and we saw him in, in the middle of the season. And, and he, you know, he was starting to play well at that point. And then we were both at the bowl game uh, where, where Tom played his last game in Michigan and, and set it on fire. So we came back with, with a very different picture of Tom Brady than the whole scouting process had. Um, and I forget where we put him on the board. It, it, it doesn't matter because we were, you know, with the salary cap then, you couldn't have Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on the same team. I mean, it just wasn't going to work, especially if you took him somewhere in the, in the first three rounds. As it turned out, um, he lasted till the sixth, which, of course, he's never forgotten nor, nor let anybody else uh, forget, uh, rightly so. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's had an incredible career. Tom Moore is the common thread between Peyton and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Tom. And he's now coaching uh, down with Bruce Aarons in Tampa Bay. So he's been with Tom for two years. And, uh, and, I, and, and Tom Moore is a famously uh, a man of few words. And, uh, and I said to him, Tom, what's TB like, is, uh, you know, compared to Peyton? And his answer was very simple. Same guy. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's great. I was going to ask you about that. that. That's a really interesting answer. So if I were to say to you, if he had to have one to win one game, would you say to me, ask him? Or would you say to me, we won't know, he won't tell us that? Uh, he probably won't tell you. Because <laughs> that's like picking between two of your children. You know, how do you do that? Right. Right. So, Bill, let me ask you this really quickly. Like, the situation in Indianapolis right now, Jonathan Taylor has been sensational. But I'm curious, if the Colts get to the postseason, and they're playing really good ball right now, if they get to the postseason and an opposing defense can successfully key on and maybe limit Jonathan Taylor, are you confident that Carson Wentz can step up and consistently make the opposition pay? Um, yes, I am, because Frank, Right tells me uh, that that he's improving and getting better. Uh, didn't have his best game the other night, uh, by the way. That was fairly obvious. Uh, but he's been improving. And when I look at the tape, I can see that same improvement. Now, what worries me is, um, is what happened the other night. Um, Pittman, who is the Colts' best receiver and who has great chemistry, uh, with Carson was incorrectly uh, ejected from the game. That was a bad call. And uh, I mean, he deserved a penalty, but certainly not ejection. And, and once they lost him, now the passing game w was really out of sync. Fortunately, T.Y. Hilton, who's been hurt most of the year, was back and made a big play to keep a drive alive. And, and as long as he can play, Carson can lean on him. But they need a healthy Pittman in there all the time going forward if the passing game is going to be what they hope it will be. But isn't it interesting that Frank Reich, who in his time was literally the best backup quarterback in football and who led the greatest comeback ever with a no-huddle pass, 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 
down by 28 point <laughs> comeback win uh, beats the Patriots for the first time in nine years by running the ball and throwing it, what, five times, seven Crazy. times, something wild. like that. Right. I mean, it's a wild thing. And I mentioned, you mentioned Phil Simms, and I want to go back to what you said. I, I love Phil Simms. He, he is one of, he's great. And you're right, like you, he could just sit around and talk ball all day long. He loves it. The flip side of that is Boomer, who I also love. And the two of these guys bust each other's chops, and it's a beautiful thing to see. He and Frank Reich obviously are very, very close, and he loves Frank. So I hear a lot about Frank when I sit in those production meetings as well. And it really is something to see, and especially the point that you just made about how they won that game. I wonder, Bill, before you go, the Bills get another crack at the Patriots this week in a game obviously with enormous divisional implications, conference implications. What do you expect to happen this time around? Well, what I expect is that Bill Belichick is going to play them differently than he did last time because that's Bill Belichick's MO. Um, to watch him coach, a, a, particularly against teams that he's played before, is, is, is watching a, a, a chess master rejigger the board. It's incredible. So the, the Bills are not going to know for the better part of the first quarter how Bill Belichick plans to defense them. They're going to have to figure that out, and then they're going to have to adjust from there. And when you're in Foxborough, that gives the Patriots a big, big, big edge. So that's the, hurdle, that's the first hurdle you have to overcome. And then once you figure it out, then you have to execute. And that's hard to do. So this is not, there is no value in the previous game other than knowing what players can do uh, particularly well for the Pats. But the way they're going to be deployed, the way they're going to blitz, the way they're going to cover, the way they're even going to play offense is going to be completely different from what you've seen before. So it makes it really hard to play against them. That's something that, that, that both Josh Allen and, and the uh, Bills coaches are going to have to be ready for, and, and they're going to see new wrinkles and new blitzes and new coverages, and, you, and, and you're going to make some mistakes. So you just have to shrug your shoulders, get adjusted, and do it. If they can do that, uh, they can play uh, with, with the Patriots. As an example, uh, on the penultimate play of the game, um, where Knox was defended by, uh, by the Bill safety. He was held prior to that. Prior to that, in the route, you don't get those calls late in the game. But it just showed that the Bills are pretty close to them. I mean, they're, 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 the two teams are, are very similar and 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 very close talent-wise. But uh, the Bill Belichick factor is what you have to beat, and that's not easy. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back, watching some live sports, and it really doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little bit of action. Personally, I have my Week 16 eye on that Monday night matchup between Miami and New Orleans. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to everything exciting. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays, teasers, any exotic prop wager that you can come up with. And the app is so easy to use. And everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines, join in on the action. Download the WinBet app right now. 
Download it on Google Play or the Apple App Store and put yourself in the game with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so a final question, Bill. Like the Bill Belichick factor, like to me, God, what, what an amazing job that he has done this year. And I would imagine that when Tom Brady left, it probably was really rejuvenating for both of them. Not that they ever lacked for any kind of motivation or ambition, but because you're the co-author of a book, Super Bowl Blueprints, Hall of Famers Reveal the Keys to Football's Greatest Dynasties, I know you see these common threads and these commonalities. I want to ask you one thing about Belichick, and maybe even people, I don't want to say like him because there's nobody like him, But, Bill, can you explain how it is? It's such a demanding job, and even if you love it, and even if you're built for it, it's got to take so much out of you. How is it that somebody who's been at it as long as he has at that age is still able to commit and still wants it that badly and isn't somewhere enjoying the fruits of his labor on an island? Like, what I'm trying to figure out what makes these guys that driven and that intense and willing to work that hard that late in life. Well, he does go to Nantucket in the summertime okay. uh, during vacation, so he, he does get some R&R. But uh, he and I served on a committee uh, about three years ago, which did the top 100 players in the game, scouted out the top 100 players in the game and ranked them. And, and there was very little tape of players who played from the 1920s through the mid-1940s. And so uh, the people from the league who were doing it and the Hall of Fame who were doing it said, would Bill Belichick, Bill Polian, Ron Wolf go back and look at what tape was available and, and do some scouting reports and ranking of the players who virtually no one today ever heard of? So we did. Now, of course, I was in the media at the time, retired from the Colts. And Bill was still coaching and Ron was retired. So we had a lot of time to do it and it was fun to do. Bill jumped into it with both feet. And when it came time to have conference calls to discuss the players, he led the discussions. He was right on. When it came time to have a joint meeting at the Hall of Fame to discuss the players who were going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, from the uh, all-time class, which was uh, the centennial class, which was 2021. Bill led the discussions. It was right on. He loved it. And it showed me that he's, uh, if not 100% football, he's 90% football. (laughs) He's a guy who loves the game, who loves the minutia of the game, who loves to look at tape, who loves to discuss the difference between this player and that, the difference between this system and that. It's his passion. It's what makes him go. Now, what amazes me, because truthfully, I don't want to put myself in his class, but it's my passion as well. But how he does it from a physical standpoint and stamina standpoint um, after all these years is, is the most amazing feat of all. Because in the National Football League, you work 18 to 20 hours a day, nowadays, 11 months a year. And to be the head coach and general manager and and do all of those things and have the stamina 
and 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 the, and the sheer physical strength to do that is unheard of. No one's ever done it except George Hallis, and he was the owner, and he was doing it in in a, in a in a completely different era. Even Don Shula, the winningest coach of all time, did it. But that was a different era. That was not 18 hours a day, 11 months a year, the way it is now. It was then 18 to 20 hours a day, six or seven months a year. The whole thing has changed with the advent of free agency. So how he does it physically is equally as amazing a feat as how he does it mentally and emotionally. So really quickly, Bill, I have to know, like, how does he? What What is it? Is it, does it? is it nutrition? Is it rest and recovery? Is he in a weight room? I think you make a fascinating point. How does he do it physically? I don't know. I've never asked him. And I don't think he'd tell me if I did. <laughs> it's, part of, it's part of his secret sauce. But, uh, but to have the ability to do it is an amazing feat. Incredible. What what an amazing conversation that is. And it's a great, great, great read. The book is called Super Bowl Blueprints. Hall of Famers Reveal the Keys to Football's Greatest Dynasties. Bill, I want to tell you, first of all, one, it's great to get caught up. Really, really appreciate you doing this. And I know that you've done a number of these things, but I just want to compliment you in the way you showed up for this. You gave me everything you had. It was such an insightful, great, great conversation. And, I don't, and you know what? I don't mean this in a patronizing way. I'm a host. I love talking to people that as engaged as you are so I really do appreciate you and your time that was a fascinating conversation thanks Jim I appreciate you having me on happy holidays happy holidays honestly I could have kept lobbing him questions all day long he hasn't just seen it all, he has lived it all, and he can spin a story too. So my thanks to Bill Polian for showing up the way he did and helping us close out the year on the original side hustle. Don't worry, though. We will be right back at it in January. Plenty more raw, extended, and unfiltered conversations coming your way in the new year as well. So take a second right now. Smash the subscribe button if you have not done so already. That way you will know exactly when the original side hustle is back up and pumping out premium content once again. And until then, have a happy and safe holiday season, everybody. 